0: Welcome to the Grizz Den Pod. I'm your host, Will Walker. I'm joined by my co-host, Brantley Davidson. What up? We normally have a third host as well, Ty Smith. He uh, recently had a child, so uh, he is not able to join us this time. Uh, If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Grizz Den or Instagram, Grizz Den Pod. Uh, Follow... Us on Twitter and Instagram, uh, subscribe to our podcast, rate and review. We love hearing from you guys. We have a very exciting episode for you today. Peter Edmiston from The Athletic joined us to talk all things Grizz. Uh, we really enjoyed uh, picking his brain. He had some some really cool stories to tell and some, some great analysis. Um, and so uh, you should look forward to hearing that. Um, before we get started on, uh, on Talk and Shop, uh, we just wanted to share uh, a couple things about us, and um, we, we're going to try to start out each podcast just with a little bit of some, maybe some fun facts about ourselves, some, some just fun topics to throw around. Um, and, and before this pod got started, Brantley and I were actually talking about um, the first jersey each of us ever got as as kids um we would both been basketball fans for a long time so uh let's start there Brantley what was the first jersey you owned as uh, a youngin
1: I think I I remember walking into champ sports in Jackson Mississippi and uh I, I think my I must have like done well on a test like the one time in my life or something not a really good student and walked in and had sort of my pick of you know the lot I guess you would say and um my choice was Reggie Miller. It was a blue Indiana Pacers Reggie Miller jersey. As much as I also like, you know, practiced hoops, thinking that I was Michael Jordan, there were a lot of times I was just standing in corners attempting to drain threes as a prepubescent little chubby kid. Uh, just, just get my Reggie Miller on. I, I, as much as I, I mean, obviously, as a third grader, you love Michael Jordan growing up in that era of the NBA. But I loved, I love me some Reggie Miller. Still do. He's, he's the man. What about you?
0: My first jersey ever was actually my favorite player at the time, and it was Steve Nash. That's a good one. Uh, one of my favorite teams ever was were, it was just the not yeah it was the it was the o five o six o seven Suns. Um, I was a sucker for offense uh, and watching offense back in the day, and they were the offensive team to watch. Absolutely hated the Spurs. Uh, hated the Mavericks at the time too. Mm. Just loved Steve Nash. Always felt like he was this underdog, uh, and also just loved his passing. And so when I got I got that orange Phoenix Suns Nash jersey, um, and I wore that thing so much, it was great. That's awesome. That's awesome. One other question I have for you,
1: sort of spring on you. Um, you know, one of the things that's fun about the podcast is that not only are we Grizzlies fans, but we just all love basketball, too. We sort of all grew, in, grew up playing it as children. So since you've moved back to Memphis, how have you connected with basketball? Other than the Grizzlies.
0: Other than the Grizzlies. Yeah. Um, well, ironically enough, uh, we had to push the start of this pod tonight back a little bit because I uh, got home a little late from coaching a team. I actually coach a fifth and sixth grade team with one of my friends uh, from high school. He and I played together. We decided to go back to uh, to my old school and uh, coach an elementary team, and it's been actually one of the most difficult things. <laughs> really? I did not even <laughs> expect it to be so difficult. Why? Um, What's one thing? Can can you share? Is that is that allowed? Yeah, it's 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 so easy to uh, <laughs> to get so emotionally invested in these games, <laughs> like competitively, competitive, like you want to win, yeah, competitively. Um, you have to practice so much patience, uh, and will doesn't have children, so he doesn't have a <laughs> child on these fifty six don't. great teams. I do not. I do not. I'm not, a, I'm not a dad coaching, uh, my son on, on his team. Um, so it's just, it's just funny the, the, the different you, you were so used to, um, we both love the NBA and you're so used to watching these games Uh, Talking about and just breaking them down at the tiniest level, but it's just not this. It's a completely different ball game. Um, But it has, it's also just so fun. It's so rewarding. We don't have a great record right now, (laughs) but the few wins that we do have were electric.
1: Dude, I've got already like
0: at least three ideas for future segments just based on everything (laughs) that you're just talking to me about. We need to have a little segment (laughs) about like the story of the day because it's really funny. That's amazing. What about you? Um I would sort of say that
1: when I first moved to Memphis, I've I've lived in Memphis for right at ten years. And when I first moved here, one of the the first things I did was get plugged into a group of guys that hooped on the regular and um I I think it's what quickly made me fall in love with a different you know, with a community of people, um, through church as well as just meeting um just a bunch of random people throughout the city who just want to meet up and have a good court and play. And there's a couple of guys that I think have even uh, maybe listened to the podcast who um, I used to hoop with and um, you know, we used to play two to three times a week in the morning before work. And that was all we did. And we sort of kept it up for like five to seven years. It was, it was honestly the dream. And then, things just started to happen where we started getting injured and a year and a half ago I tore my ACL. And, honestly, I've shot a couple times since then and I'm a little scared to get back on the court. But I've started to get the itch lately because I'm, you know, one and a, a year and a half post-surgery and, I don't know, talking hoops all the time really makes me want to go play. But uh, it's, it's fun living in a basketball city like Memphis, talking to the Grizzlies and sort of having a community of people that you've played with. Um, you can kind of understand people's shots and stuff like it. It's like, yeah, I've guarded that guy before. Mm. I, I scored on him more. No, he he owned me a lot, actually, you know, so that kind of thing is really fun.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the main thing. It, it's just uh, basketball is one of those things that just brings people together. and uh, Definitely. And that's why this is so fun. We are just a couple or two or three Grizz fans uh, talking about the Grizzlies, and that's just why what makes this pod great and what makes this so fun. And so, with that in mind, uh, since we last spoke, the Grizzlies have won two games. Uh, one of them was against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, four days ago, we won 134-121. to 121, And then our most recent win was against the Golden State Warriors, 122-102. to 102. We were recording this during the Houston Rockets game, so we're not going to talk Rockets tonight. We will do that in our future podcast. Um, but just to dive in a little bit here, uh, the San Antonio Spurs... Uh, there was a lot at stake in this game. Uh, not only was it a revenge game, but we all of a sudden, as we mentioned on the last podcast, if you listened, we are all of a sudden in a playoff race. Um, the Spurs at the time when we played them were in the eighth spot. Uh, we basically had to beat the Spurs, and we were in the eighth <laughs> spot for the playoffs. We ended up doing it that. It felt so good. It sure did. Demar Derozan had thirty six points, though so he 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 really went off. Um, but at the end of the day, the Grizzlies had a uh, had a massive fourth quarter. We beat them 34 to 23 in the fourth. Held off a few runs. Ended up getting the win against the Spurs. And then the most recent game against the Golden State Warriors was the Jonas Valanciunas game. Uh, he had 19 boards. Um, I'm pulling it up here. He had. 31 points, 19 rebounds, two blocks. Just this was the JV game. Uh, Brantley, did you have anything that stuck out to you about these last two games?
1: Yeah, I think, (coughs) you know, we sort of referenced this a couple podcasts ago. Just the last time we played the Spurs, it was just sort of this insane game. They shot 67% as a team from the field, um, and – sort of crushed us I mean we lost by 30 points yeah we were really never in that game um and so I think looking into sort of a big night where there was a playoff seed on the line we um you know at least kind of just jumping into that spot which for a young team I sort of feel like meant something you could tell I think in just watching the game I mean that's sort of like a heuristic assessment but it just sort of seemed like like they were ready to get back and, and kind of um, you know, take back a little bit of the reputation. Ja actually sort of alluded to it um, at the end of the game I'm in the presser. I don't have the exact quote, but he definitely uh, kind of referenced the last time that we played the Spurs and how much they sort of dominated the game and beat us. And, uh, you know, this game, it, it was a close game for the most part. When you actually look at it, it was a five-point game at the end of the first quarter – Um, We sort of uh, stretched it um, into the half and and went in um, at halftime up six points, Um, actually sort of lost the third quarter um, by uh, four points, but then extended our lead by 11 and wound up winning by uh, 13 points, 134 to 121. And, uh, you know, the Spurs, uh, you know, field goal shooting percentage obviously came down. They came back down to earth a little bit, but they played really well. DeMar DeRozan went off, had 36 points, seemed sort of unstoppable in that game. He's just really been on a tear uh, if you look at some of his splits over the past four to five games. So it was it's fun when you look back on that box score and see the way that our team performed um, held off kind of a, a big night from him and really had even scoring across um, you know our I guess right now what would you would say is kind of like a core four, but then had folks off the bench like the Anthony Melton, you know quick Grizz fan favorite uh, hipster. Uh, you know, player that we all like really having a huge contribution to with 13 points off the bench, and Brandon Clark had 10. So it, it was really fun to sort of see that type of mix from our team and, and kind of capture that eighth seed. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Like, it's fun. We're excited about it.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that stood out to me, and I, I dug into this a little bit, It at the beginning of the season, uh, one of the most frustrating things was was when the Grizzlies would come out of halftime uh, the third quarter killed us. It historically, for some reason, I feel like with this franchise has been yeah. <laughs> we've had a third yeah. quarter oh, issue sure. um, in the last few years. And what I I looked it up during this win streak. I'm going to go through each of our our wins during this win streak. The last five during the Clippers third quarter was 39 to 26 in favor of the uh, Grizzlies. In the Suns game, 34 to 20. The Wolves game, 31 to 28. The Spurs game, we, like you mentioned, we actually lost that one, 37-41, but still 37 points in the Losing third by four
1: points is sort of a victory for the franchise. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And then in, in the, war, the most recent game, the Warriors outscored them 35-17. to 17. Um, This, to me, is one of the most encouraging uh, things that you can see. We've, throughout this season, had success in the first half. We've hung with just about every team we've played. I don't remember a lot of a lot of games where we fall behind early. Usually, it's the opposite. We we get a lead, and then the other team slowly claws back, catches up in the second half. We let a few go in the third quarters, and uh, that was just one thing that I mentioned, or that I was uh, observing. It was just interesting to see, and I hope we keep it up tonight.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great um, story to see if if Taylor Jenkins and and this kind of young core. Can maybe start to reframe <laughs> that historical uh, deficiency, um, and I don't I don't know. I mean, there's just been a lot of times I think in the past with with the old grit and grind where that was um, you know something that really was a detriment to the team and how we lost a lot of games. And so uh, it, it's fun within this current win streak to see that happen, and for sure I think is a contribute a major contributor to the current success that we're seeing. Absolutely.
0: So uh, we hope we continue that win streak tonight. Before we get to our interview, Brantley, you've been working on something uh, that you've been wanting to share, uh, specifically around John ja Morant and uh, his big games. So can you introduce uh, what you've been working on? Yeah, for sure. So <coughs> this is um, everything that I'm about to sort of reference to you
1: guys is, is from data that thankfully is made readily available through basketball reference. And We sort of have hinted at it, I think, a couple of times on the podcast, and, you know, it's really not surprising, Um, star-slash-superstar NBA players have a tendency to show up for big games. Zeebo did it right. He would show up for nationally televised games in a way that was very different. You can, you know, sort of maybe allude to that with with other superstar players. I think one of the things that we've been curious on to see is, for John Morant, is that true like is he already starting to maybe exhibit not just superstar behavior on the court in terms of like production but just superstar behavior in terms of showing up to play against from a head-to-head perspective with superstars or in big game moments and so one of the things that I put together and we're going to keep track of and reference throughout the rest of the year We'll make this spreadsheet um, available to you all to kind of look at and see as we update if you want to sort of dork out with us. And basically the premise is, does John Morant statistically show up and, and sort of um, perform above his season average for, um, uh, you know, for that particular game? And so... Uh, the way that we have sort of defined, um, I guess, the criteria for whether it's a quote-unquote big game is, first, did he play in the game? But then second, is there sort of a superstar athlete showing up? Is it nationally televised? Or is there some sort of big kind of um, jumping off point or point in the is season? Is there something at stake Yeah, in like this game? Was it his first game back maybe from an injury or... Something like that, it's sort of like where we sort of deem it to be worthy of a big game. Now, um, in all um, candidness, we put this together a week and a half ago. So we did sort of have to go back and look at it retrospectively and say, "Does this was this sort of meeting the big game criteria? And that maybe puts a little bit of a flaw in the analysis. Moving forward, we're hoping to say, like, for instance, the Houston game. Yes, this is a big game. James Harden's playing. It's in Memphis. It's a big game. Um, the New Orleans game, yes, it's a big game. Whereas versus Cleveland, it's not a big game. So all that to say, I just think it's a little bit of a setup. And then one of the things that we're just looking at is how are we winning or losing against those things. All that fun stuff. But so essentially, through uh, we've uh, there's been forty games in this season. Jaw has played in thirty four of them, not counting Houston tonight. And Ja's averages and sort of the big kind of four or five. Um, uh, fields that I've sort of talked about are his points, where he's at 17.8 points per game. Um, his steals, he's right at one. His assists, right at seven. Um, so, how those are his season averages. But so for big games, where is he sort of overperforming those? And so the interesting thing is that from a points perspective, he's basically scoring 21 points or, or 21 points per game, which is right around 18 percent better than his season average. He's doing that while maintaining a similar assist per game metric. And he's basically taking three to four more field goal attempts per game than what he's doing in quote-unquote non-big games. So it's not super statistically significant, but it is starting to get to a significant volume to where I would say it's like, yeah, he's starting to exhibit this type of behavior to where we can sort of expect something big from him. He has a different mindset coming into these games. And he's looking to score more, get to the rim more. Actually, he's averaging a little bit more from a, f- a free throw um, per t- percentage perspective as well. And his attempts, his percentage has actually gone down. So he actually has the chance to even increase some of those points per game if he's actually if he would start making some of those free throws um, for, for what he's doing from a per game basis. So anyway, something like really interesting. We'll sort of do some tweaks on this moving forward. It's super dorky from like a just numbers perspective. But I think... I, to me, it's like we've said he sort of looks like he's right. he shows up differently in some of these games, and I think the numbers are start sort of quantifying that a little bit. The interesting thing is this: is that when you look at those big games of the sixteen that we've looked at, our record basically up through November in those games, we had we were like one and seven, mm. or, or no, excuse me, one and six. Whereas now, moving forward on the win streak perspective, since the 29th, we're 6-1. So, that sort of is a really fascinating trend, meaning this win streak that we've been on. Now, there's other games mixed in there that we've lost. But the big games, Josh showing up and we're winning. That, to me, is a really compelling fun story to keep track of and obviously we're not gonna we may not beat the clippers again when we play them next because they're gonna be you know, they're gonna have their full team however some of these other type of moments john ja may show up and continue to build on his superstar status which hey we're fans so we're gonna get really excited about that and talk about it
0: absolutely and uh this that's a great segue into um our interview here coming up uh it's first of all this was just uh this was, this was a great surprise honestly for us uh, Peter uh, there was a lot of buzz going around a couple weeks ago the all-star fan voting uh, John ja Morant shows up at number 10 on this list um, a lot of excitement around uh, on on social media and honestly around the city about John ja Morant uh, you pair that within the dunk contest announcement and uh, the the just the idea of having a grizzly in these discussions uh, prompted a, a lot of action on Twitter, especially. Um, now we, <laughs> Brantley was uh, just providing maybe a, a counterpoint to um, all this buzz. Uh, yeah, my emotion
1: was just cautious, I guess. Yeah. you know, I just
0: it just so it feels really good to be true, you know. It's like yeah, right. And just to set this up, Brantley replied to Peter um, saying, you know, let's not get carried away in essence. Uh, yeah. f- and, uh, Peter responded back and was like, well, you know, this is something, um, just worth getting excited about. They went back and forth a little bit and, uh, Brantley, uh, invited Peter on the podcast. He responded, said he would come on. Um, and a couple weeks later, here you go. Uh, we've got this, this awesome interview, um, with Peter breaking down a lot, uh, the Grizzlies, we were uh, pumped that he was willing to come on and uh, just talk shop with a couple of Grizzlies fans. Um, so I hope you enjoy this interview, and thanks again to Peter. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest. He is Peter Edmiston. He writes about the Grizzlies for The Athletic. He hosts a radio show from 7 to 10 a.m. on Sports Fifty Six. Uh, talking about all things sports, uh, Peter. Welcome on to the Grizzden Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. We uh, at risk of bearing the lead here. Uh, I know that uh, the reason the reason you're on uh, is because of a recent Twitter conversation uh, that we had about Ja Morant, uh, the uh, fan voting for the All Star game. Um, at risk of bearing the lead there. Uh, I actually wanted to start with the article that recently came out on The Athletic that you wrote, which I think is a great uh, summary of why the Grizzlies are uh, successful uh, r- this season specifically, um, and so I'd love to uh, talk through that and get your thoughts on uh, each of these choices that you talked about that the Grizzlies had to make, um, and I'd love to start at the top with uh, number one choice that the Grizzlies had to make this off season. Uh, which was hiring Zach Kleiman as the executive vice president of basketball operations. Could you talk a little bit about uh, about that move and uh, what you've seen work there?
2: Yeah, I think the 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 Grizzlies could have gone a number of different ways here. Uh, obviously, yeah, I think it was pretty well known how uh, bad things were, or how Chris Wallace had run his course. For uh, a lot of different reasons. And so, you know, they they, they decided to make a, an overhaul and a change, and then they could have done that in a number of different ways. And they they decided to uh, kind of hire from within, but with a, with a guy who had proven himself to be very uh, studious and detail oriented and had kind of worked his way over from the legal side. That was something that impressed uh, Robert Perrin, felt like he could work. With him in kind of a collaborative way, and that's the big, you know, thing uh, with their organization is just collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. Everybody's collaborating with everybody else. They're very, uh, they're very big on that. And so anyone who's hired in any position of uh, executive power needs to be able to do that. And he showed that he could. And so far, he's really hit the ground running. I mean, it's um, it, it's it's a it's a it's a credit to, to them for taking that risk and giving them the chance to kind of reshape the department. They've uh, spent a lot of money uh, overhauling the analytics side a little bit, adding uh, people, adding data power. Uh, they you know, are big in machine learning and algorithmic usage and stuff that, that some other teams had been uh, way ahead of them on over the last few years. They've really worked to change that, and climan has been a big part of it. So I think you're starting to see some of that uh, – you'll see that over the next few years more so than now, but you're kind of seeing some of the benefit of that right about now too. So it's uh, everything flowed from that. If, if they didn't hire and then uh, this other stuff would not have happened the same way that it did.
0: Yeah, you mentioned collaboration as uh, one of the – if not the core – uh, reason and the methodology that this front office is uh, is abiding by, and and that is a great segue into uh, the choice number two that you lay out in your article, which was to hire Taylor Jenkins uh, as a head coach. Um, what were the what were the major reasons you saw for hiring him, um, and and how well have you seen it work out thus far?
2: I mean, I think it's the same it's the same kind of thing with as it was with with Zach Lyman. It was. Uh, a guy who had proven in other organizations, uh, whether it be in Milwaukee or Atlanta or San Antonio, that that he was very open to using data, that he was very open to working with uh, other elements—not just the coaching staff, but but front office and other executives and uh, performance staff and that kind of thing—and and that's a that's a huge part of it. Um, you know, they they needed a guy that that would do that. I and mean, part of it was also that you know when he was uh, brought in and, and you know they he wanted that was. Collaboratively, the, the organization worked with him and suggested some people, and it wasn't like it was just him. A lot of coaches you know would insist upon, uh, "I've got to get my people in. Here's my thing, and all this," and, and he didn't do that, and, and, and he wasn't going to be allowed to do that. That was kind of part of the, the, the deal when it came to hiring him, and so they knew they had their guy. But it's also a, a big part of it is developing these players. When you have a young core, and you have a young core that, that, that has certain skills, you need to play. Uh, a style that that enhances those players. And and that's something that that he's been willing to do as well. And in fact, you know, really fits in in keeping with the way he wants to play anyway. So that's worked really nicely for him Um, and for the, for the team. That's, that's, that's where that collaboration comes in. You bring in a certain type of player that can fit that style. And then you have a coach who plays the style that helps that player to improve. That's kind of the way that it needs to work these days. And it's, it's been working really well
1: yeah I think it's it's been fun you know from a fan perspective you know some of the things maybe on the climbing side don't real you don't really get to see that until a bomb drops like a woge bomb drops right but from a Taylor Jenkins perspective you know the the, the casual fan can who's maybe watching you know 75 percent of the games can at least witness the collaboration I think and I, I sort of from being a Grizz fan, you can sort of see that from a high level perspective. It's it's fun to see that there that that seems to be a theme that the. the well, when you when you compare it when you doing.
2: compare it, yeah, when you compare it to years past, I mean That's the other way for Grizzly fans uh, who have watched the team for a while. You can just compare it to what you know the, the relationship between Lionel Hollins in the front office yeah, when absolutely. he would kind of you know take a little shots here and there, and they wouldn't really. Uh, he asked for a backup point guard forever, and they just kept. Putting it off or getting the cheapest option possible, or all this. Uh, Dave Yeager had his issues publicly with the front office. Uh, David Fizdale, oh my god, uh, <laughs> it was so. You know, uh, you, all you have to do is really look back at the last few coaches and compare it, and you can see right there that there's a radical difference, and it's uh, it's paying off.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and and speaking of of that uh, point guard. <laughs> position and never getting a backup point guard. Uh the guy who had to bear the brunt of that was Mike Conley for years and years and uh that was one of the 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 third choice that you talked about that the front office needed to make was was to wait until the summer to trade Mike Conley. I know Grizzlies fans uh when when the team when, when the bomb dropped about the the Grizzly shopping mark and Mike which as fans we had been talking about um already for months yeah, before yeah. then uh-huh. uh just ready to 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 turn the page uh, go to the next chapter what was the uh, what did you see as the as the as a factor that uh, that had the front office wait until the summer didn't just take the best available deal because it was a risk at the time um, what benefits did you see of waiting till the summer to ultimately deal Mike Conley
2: well I mean I think the first of all the the the, the calculation was, you know, Conley being traded in the summer would allow you to be more f- flexible because of his contract being so large. You would you would be able to work with teams that had cap space, or be able to to use other methods uh, rather than just trying to fit it into a traditional NBA trade when both teams are over the cap and you have to somewhat match the salaries. Now that becomes tricky with a player that's making you know, well over thirty million dollars. That's 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 hard to do. So that was part of it that they said, it's just easy. We're just going to be able to be more creative with some of the offers that we were going to get. But Utah definitely was interested in Mike Conley uh, at the at the deadline. It's just a matter of, you know, the offer wasn't the offer that they ended up taking in the summer. Uh, but, you know, things change. Mike Conley, once uh, Mark was traded and the team was 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 pretty radically overhauled, and everyone kind of knew that this was going to be a season of transition. You know, Jaron was hurt for most of uh, post-All-Star uh, last year. You know, you had uh, Jonas Valanciunas kind of working his way in and just coming in and, and, and wrecking shop. He and Mike worked really well together his pick and roll. Mike's numbers were great. So that, that, that was sort of a, a, a proof of concept to say, okay, well, Mike, if you put him in a different kind of offense and different sort of people, here's what he can do. Other teams took notice of that especially Utah and then Utah loses in the playoffs uh, first round again. So to, to the Rockets, a team that, you know, had, had been an issue for them. And, you know, if they don't play the Rockets, maybe they play, um, you know, the Blazers, maybe if they play the Nuggets, who knows, uh, if they get a different matchup in the first round, maybe they win that matchup and they don't make this trade and they don't feel quite as uh, pushed to make this trade, but it happened the way that they felt pressure to make the trade. So they did. And, and they were willing to give up a little bit more. And now all of a sudden, you're able to take those assets and you you got some good play. I mean, Jake Crowder has been uh, really solid uh, as a player and, you know, potentially as a trade ship. Um, Grayson Allen, I think is, is, since his return from injury about six weeks ago, he's been better. Uh, I think he's at least shown enough to kind of be part of the mix for the team. Uh, Kyle Corver, you turned into uh, De'Anthony De- De- Melton, who's really transformed the bench yep. and been spectacular. And Josh Jackson, who's, you know, doing his thing down in South Haven, who knows what's going to happen you know, with, with him. Uh, you got a trade exception that you ended up uh, maneuvering into the Andre Iguodala thing uh, and another first round pick. So in total, you're getting three or four, you know, rotation type guys, two first round picks. Uh, Brandon Clark, you know, came from one of the picks uh, from the jazz. So it's just, it's just a, a monster haul for, for, for a guy that you, you thought you were going to get an okay deal, for, uh, but they really, they really, played their cards right. And they got a little lucky too with the jazz. And, and and so, yeah, they waited and boy, it paid off.
0: Yeah. And, and one of the things that's just encouraging, um, at least from a fan perspective is that, um, starting at the top of the conversation with the, uh, with Zach Kleiman, there's just a level of trust that I feel like that's, that's new, uh, for this organization that with all of these moving parts with that hall, we can trust, uh, the front office to, uh, be responsible and maximize um, the value of those assets as well as a coach who's shown already uh, that he can develop uh, and that's exciting and and of course then with all of this 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 maneuvering uh, at the end of the day to win in the league we've seen that you need a little bit of luck and that that brings us to uh, the most exciting uh, part of the conversation and, and the most exciting Part of our team, which was John ja Morant, uh, obviously landing the number two spot, number two pick in that lottery. Um, what, how, how would you summarize just the impact that Jaws had, not only on the Grizzlies uh, but nationally?
2: I mean, it's it's huge. Um, you know, there are not that many guys who are real superstars. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of really good players and some stars but there's not a lot of guys that can be superstars. And, you know, by that, I mean, they, they will be the reason why other fans will tune in to watch your games. Uh, they will become appointment television. Your team gets on national TV a few more times because this person's on your team. Uh, he is that guy. And he has this capability, you know, not a, he's a real rare combination of high basketball IQ, really smart, good passer makes all the the plays you'd want a kind of a heady veteran point guard to make with crazy athletic freakish ability to jump out of the world and make uh incredibly creative and impressive plays so he just gets you constantly on TV constantly in social media constantly on highlights everything it, it just is it, you didn't the core 4 never did that as great as they were, right. you know, no one is watching Zach, uh, you know, get a bully rebound and, and go up for another basket other than Grizzlies fans.
1: <laughs> I don't know why, actually.
2: <laughs> uh, a, a, a slick little, you know, Mark Gasol, like top of the key, nice little pass. And uh, that's, I mean, that's great. I, I, I love those guys. Out. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you get a, You get like, a, yeah, like, a, like, a, like one of the, the, the smarter, um, you know, more in-depth reporters like Zach, you, right. you get some little love from him or, you know, somebody like that. Uh, but, you know, in terms of, like, getting on your, you know, your your bleacher reports and your uh, those kinds of, like, just fan, average Joe fan just wants, you know, content, right. Grizzlies weren't really out there. Now they are uh, yeah. all over the place. Um, that's huge. It's huge for the team. And on top of that, the dude can play. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. you know, one thing if he was, like, just just a highlight reel and he's turning the ball over 15 times and not playing great ball, but the dude is playing extremely good basketball. So, yeah, man, it's a, that's a rare combination there.
1: Yeah, I think this is where, you know, sort of how we um, uh, got into a discussion uh, just a little bit on Twitter. And, you know, candidly, I um, don't love to, to Twitter argue that much. And so I was like, hey, let's just right. like, talk about it potentially as, you know, yeah. new, new new inbound friends. And I sort of said that I was a little cautious just after that first week of the NBA fan vote. Um, I'll tell you maybe just even one, um, one reason I was cautious and then, you know, we can sort of discuss it a little bit. I think as a, you know, I've sort of shared with you a little bit in emails that Will and I both work for a marketing agency here in town. And one of the things Mm -hmm. that, um, I wonder if it's having a factor, um, regardless of Jaw's popularity is just sort of even the user experience on the website, Um, I would sort of assume that a lot of individuals, that's how they're voting. And when you actually Uh go through and click through the site, um, sort of the way that you would select players is – or maybe filter based on different stats is a little tough to see. Uh Um, And Ja comes up, you know, really like the fourth or fifth row when you select by points. Um, And when you select by assists, he's second on that row. And so some of it I I wonder – is he receiving some votes just because he's kind of like that, that rookie popular person. And, you know, there's the issue of the fact that some of the guards even right. That, that play the guard position, um, are kind of um, designated in the front court spots, right. Which is an issue just with the all-star vote in and of itself. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I may have just been like, I'm not exactly sure yet how much I'm willing to give my heart over to how much this means from a popularity standpoint.
2: Well, I mean, I, I don't. It's one of those arguments that you can't. I, I don't think there's a proper definitive answer to. Yeah. There are many reasons why people vote for somebody for an all star spot. Um, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as this is your favorite team and you're going to vote for that player uh, no matter what. Uh, you know, that's where you see, uh, you know, some of these guys, we've seen teams that have had some you know borderline dudes that make the all-star game because they were on a really good team and they were playing pretty well and they have a bunch of fans and so there you go then you have the freak show uh taco fall type deal <laughs> where it's just like yep. you have a You mean he's not the, best, just, the fifth best front yeah. court spot in the east <laughs> I, know, I mean i think he's great i think he's great i, yeah. I, I would have voted him certainly for the all-star game but, oh yeah you know, of course uh, <laughs> uh I mean, so you have the freak show deal where you know, you have like the cult hero and the fans. I mean, Zaza Pachulia with the Alex Warriors Caruso. a few years ago, yeah. yeah, Caruso this year, and 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 Caruso is at least like, uh, I mean, not that he's an All Star level player, but at least he's like okay. Taco Fall is just a freak. Right. Right. I mean, I like, he's a, he's a really good player uh, for a college kid, and he's really tall and all that. But come on, so yeah. like, I mean, obviously you have to factor that in. But that's again, that's the Celtics and Lakers. There's a massive Lakers bump just in general, massive Celtics bump. Just in general these are two of the most popular uh, teams in the history of the league they have enormous international fan bases going back for decades and people just they can you know consolidate that group and mobilize them and say go do something stupid and, and they'll go do something stupid so that that's my issue the, the reason why i think it's exciting is not so much it doesn't really matter at the end of the day i mean like you know the fan vote right. now is is only a portion of it um you have media vote you have coaches vote you have other elements to kind of even that out. But the fact is that you just don't see Grizzlies make appearances on these lists very often. Um, and if they do, like in, in the, case of Marcus you know, Mark had a international fan base. You know, he has won a gold medal. He is a, you know, he is revered in Spain. Spain's not the biggest country in the world, but they are a basketball uh, loving country and they vote and they watch and they are huge. They're watching NBA all the time that channel and it's, it's on live and it's, you know, like two or 3.00 AM over there. They're wide, but they're up, they're watching it. They have, they have a, have a big group. So that really bolstered Mark's support in, um, in, in a big time way. It's the first time that I know of where it's just been purely uh, a regular, just American player, no outward foreign Legion, uh, not a big consolidating fan base. I don't remember a huge marketing push, that the Grizzlies put on Um, and even if they had the just Grizzlies fans alone are not enough to overcome that. Uh, It's, it's a, it's a sign to me that there are a lot of other people out there for whatever reason, whether they just screwed up uh, voting, (laughs) trying to vote for somebody enough of those people did that for John Morant once, but twice now that's never, that's never happened. And the dude's a rookie and uh, it just, to me, it's a sign of, all right, this dude's on a different level of popularity than yeah. we've ever seen for the Grizzlies, and that's a that's a big deal for a team that that needs that. Even when they're really good, they struggle to make national TV appearances. So uh, this dude is going to single-handedly change that. Yeah,
1: and I think another uh, indicator um, that's you know in your your arsenal set for being you know uh, I guess an objective measure of of that kind of popularity component is. You know the potential invitation for him to attend the dunk contest, and yeah, you know, I was, and how much
2: attention that's getting, and how yeah. many people are fired up about that.
1: Yeah, I was, I was sort of on a one-off. I was talking with um, Will and our other co-host Ty um, about my um, in the, in 1996. I attended the All-Star game in San Antonio with my dad. It was like this monumental birthday present as a, like a fourth grader, and. Just being able True to enough. connect that oppor- – yeah, it's it was ridiculous. We could have a one-off just talking about the crazy stuff that happened at that one point in time. Um, but, you know, when you – for me as a visual now and having a team like the Grizzlies that, you know, I just you – know, I, I love. Um, and to think about Ja going into that moment and potentially just being there and seeing all of this kind of global, um, uh, you know, sensation watch him – um that kind of puts things on a different level so i guess we were sort of even just wanting to put you on the spot and ask do you think that Ja will go to the dunk contest or to the all-star game to the dunk contest
2: oh man I, it's hard to say i was i was asking i was actually talking to him about that uh a couple three days ago i forget um and he's like he's really playing it close to the vest like i you know, I went up to him like after his normal media obligation was over, I was just kind of asking him, talking to him a little bit, and just said, "I mean, what do you think?" And he's like, "I, don't, I really don't know." I said, "Well, it's, what's the part of the decision? Like, what's what goes into it?" He's like, "Whether I want to go or not." And I was like, "Oh, geez, <laughs> like, you know, so, you know, come on, man, help me out here." Yes, yeah, seriously. Um, so, so I, I really don't know. I really, I really don't know. I, I think, um, I would think he would end up doing it if, if, if that's if the invite, um. If he, everything can work out, he stays healthy, and all that stuff, I would think he would he would do it ultimately. Uh, it's just the the opportunity is too too big. The only the only thing is that the dunk contest just kind of isn't quite what it used to be. Right. It's um it's a little more of a specialist kind of thing, and he may feel like and eh, I don't know I don't want to be late. Kind of deal. I think I think it's a, that that's changed it a little bit too. So I I think it, it, it is a, it's a weirder decision. I think in, you know ten years ago there would have been no doubt he would have done it, but now with things kind of changing a little bit, I think there is some question about that. I, I, I'm trying to get yeah. Jared in the three point contest, so that's really my that's oh, really my
0: weird campaigning. Yeah, how
1: can that. we help with that campaign? We don't have a, a huge follower base, but we'll, we'll we'll help out as much. Well, that's as possible. Good.
2: I, every I, hey, let, any, every everything helps right now because uh, I think that would be I think that'd be even. That'd be more. It'd be incredibly fun to see John and the dunk contest and Jaron in the uh, three point shootout. I think the guys, the guys the guys earned it. So uh, and, yeah. and John would be great. Don't get me wrong. John would be great in the dunk contest. I, it would it would be phenomenal. But he's more of an in game dunker. I will tell you this too, since we're talking about what ha- I, I I in that same conversation, I said you know my idea for the dunk contest is that <clears throat> if you ever played Meet Me at the Rim uh, in basketball practice, like you you would go in the you'd start at the half court line. And the defender would start at the free throw line and you would drive in and the defender would try to stop you and you would go up and that would be that now in that scenario with a big chosen to try to stop the person from dunking, I would love to see jaw. And he got real excited about that. And I think he would that, that, cause that's much more of an in-game dunk. I think jaws in-game dunking is so like dunking on people. He, he gets yeah. more aggressive, more exciting when he goes after somebody. Uh, yeah, like, like
1: no fear, you
2: know, jumping mindset. over Kevin yeah. love and all that. Yeah. So I, he got real excited about that. So I think, I think he, you know, I don't know that in, he, he may need to have an in game to, to really stand out.
0: Yeah. I'm into that idea. Uh, okay. We'll get you out here on just a couple more questions. Uh, we, we are a podcast just purely about the Grizzlies. So we tend to go pretty nitty gritty on this stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of our favorite yeah. conversations to have right now in favorite debates is uh, about the Grizzly situation at their two guard, uh, Dylan Brooks, D'Anthony Melton, Grayson Allen. Uh, it's seen, and Marco Guterich was at the beginning, but he seems to be out of the rotation at this point. Um, out of those three, do you see any, any, um, any long-term um, rotation-level players as of now on that on our roster between Allen, Brooks, and Melton – and which do you like uh, out of the three of those? If you could only have one,
2: oh, let's see. Okay, so I guess it would depend on where I was as a team. Um, if I'm just sort of picking, yeah, at at, at random, I think you can kind of have the way the Grizzlies are set up. They they don't really have to make that decision uh, anytime soon. Other than whether or not you want to pay, you know, Dylan Brooks uh, if you get some insane offer, but I, I can't imagine that, that that would happen. Brooks is a uh, is a real polarizing dude uh, a mm-hmm. lot of people yes. you know he's but but i have to say like I, i'm not i'm not his game in general i'm not really necessarily a fan of but he's been very effective uh with it he's yeah. got tremendous confidence i mean probably too much confidence but that's worked <laughs> out in his favor sometimes you have to have that as a player you, you, you just to kind of mentally be strong enough to, to overcome some stuff so that means he's going to take Two or three jacked up shots a game, and he's going to pull up from you know 28 feet and airball it and all. I mean, okay, that's going to happen uh, from time to time. But he may also uh, keep you in some games. Uh, as uh, if you go back to the game against, I think it was the Timberwolves, where Grizzlies really struggled offensively for the first three quarters, and he was kind of keeping them around mm-hmm. with some some shooting and just kind of you know being willing to, to take some shots and make those. He's he's kind of earned. Uh, I think a lot of respect, maybe begrudging respect uh, for, for doing that this year. So that's, that's a rotation guy, man. He's a, he may even be a starter level guy. It's close. I don't know, but he may even be a starter level guy long, long term. His defense is uh, feisty. If not necessarily, I think it's not quite as good as some would say, but it's certainly physical and feisty and that, that can help you in a playoff series. Uh, Melton has been wonderful, transformative, tremendous. Um, you know, the only question that I have, I think he's certainly a rotation player. The The question is just, is he a starter guy? Can he play 30 to 35 minutes for you as a starter, um, either on or off the ball, depending on how you want to play And His defense is certainly going to be a, a major plus for you. Uh, he's got such long arms, great instincts, all that stuff. The shooting has gotten a little bit better, but, you know, he's still a 27, 28% shooter from deep. That's tough to work around in a system where, you really emphasize spacing. Um, you can do some of the things that Taylor Jenkins has done and the way they use him to kind of get around it. But that may be for a team that has aspirations to, you know, not just scrape into the playoffs, but ultimately you want to have a really strong core. Uh, you know, that may make, it, I think you absolutely need him, especially in the playoffs guys like that are so vital for matchup standpoint to be able to shut down uh, wings. And that becomes the isolation game and, one-on-one matchups become really important in the playoffs, and so Melton. I mean, if I if I had to choose, I guess I'd probably choose Melton uh, over any of them. Uh, I mean, Allen, I think is 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 a is an okay player and um, maybe getting a little bit better. Uh, I would still slot him behind those other two.
0: Yeah, I think it's safe to say we're. We're a Melton podcast for sure, um, but also... Not an official name, buddy. No. <laughs> just a stance. You can call yeah. it the Melton pod if you yeah, want to. That's right. So that's a that's great right. name for you. So you know. Maybe we could get him on. But, uh, you can, I'll, if you use that, I want, I want 10% or whatever you Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> that's a deal. Uh, Lock it in. We'll get you out on this one. Uh, we recorded our last podcast after that uh, Timberwolves game, um, and then we ended up winning... Uh, We just keep winning. Uh, We're winning Mm -hmm. winners of five straight right now. We're recording this on January 14th. We're playing the Houston Rockets tonight. As you mentioned, we are in the eighth seed right right now, which is getting a lot of folks excited. Um, The title of our last podcast was, are we doing this in reference to the playoffs? So I'll ask you, are are we doing this? Um, I would
2: say, talk to me um, at the trade deadline uh, because, that will to do two things number one the schedule after this home stand is about to get really tough right. uh you've got not only in terms of the opposition but you've also got a lot of road games i think uh, 10 of 13 coming up around the road after this home stand uh you, you you have a pretty brutal stretch and even the home games are like uh you know one game mixed in with like two road games and then three road games after that so you know, the home game really ends up being like a road game because you don't even really get comfortable. So it's, it's, it's like a very, very lengthy road trip coming up for the Grizzlies. Uh, and they've been okay, um, you know, on the road of late, but that's tough for a young team. The other thing is if by the time the trade deadline rolls around, you'll have an idea of how the front office views it. And you know, are they willing to uh, hang on to Jay crowd? Or if they think that, because I think if they get a really good deal for Crowder, they, they're going to move him no matter what, um, mm-hmm. or you know whoever it may be, so Solomon Hill or whatever. Like I think they'll, if they were to get something really nice, they it wouldn't matter what the record was. But I think the scene, the way that they've done now, they've probably earned the right to be in a situation where if the Grizzlies got like kind of an okay offer for Jay Crowder, like two me sort of middling second round picks, or you know and some halfway decent player, maybe they'd say no to that because they'd go ahead and try to make a push. So those questions to me will dictate about whether I I just can't see the Grizzlies hanging in this spot um, for another month, you know, between the schedule, uh, the trade deadline, and then the likelihood that one of these teams that's behind them, at least one and probably two are going to make a pretty aggressive move. Portland, most likely they've got a big trade in them for sure. And San Antonio has made a push I think they don't like to do in-season trades, but they probably uh, might in this case. Avoid all of that stuff uh, and still be in the mix, then, then I will certainly be impressed. But I just think it's it's a great story now, and I hope that there's as many meaningful games as possible because I really think that's wonderful for the, for the development of these young players when they play in really high level. and teams are playing harder against the Grizzlies. That stuff helps you in a development standpoint. I hope it lasts as long as it can to be honest with you, I, I just can't see it lasting into March.
0: Yep. We are, uh, we're on the same page with you there. And uh, we're just, it's, it's, it's honestly just a no loss scenario. Uh, but just, yeah, it's fun. I mean, yeah, man, I mean who, can, who,
2: who would have thought halfway through the season that there'd be these meaningful games. Like, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I thought by this point I'd be, you know, writing purely about uh, development and looking at the trade deadline and looking ahead to the you know potential draft and whether they were going to convey and got them cigarette convey pieces and all that mm-hmm. so uh, so it's, it's really refreshing to write like hey these guys are actually good at basketball and there's here's why they're good and here's some good stuff to write like that's that's nice so I, so for me selfishly I hope it goes on forever because it's much more fun to cover a team that's winning than a team that's losing and we've had enough of that over the last few years
1: Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Well, absolutely. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, to talk to us, Grizz nerds over here, about the team that we love. Um, You can catch. I'm a
2: nerd. I'm a nerd. Nerds are my people. So uh, that's that's uh, that's my folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Thanks, man. Well,
0: uh, you can catch Peter again on the writing about the Grizzlies on the Athletic uh, from seven to ten a.m. on Sports fifty six AM five sixty uh peter thanks again
1: thanks peter
2: yeah man my pleasure enjoy it, guys thanks so much
0: all right brantley let's get to some segments thanks again to peter that was freaking awesome that was oh, so much fun that. that was so much fun thanks Gosh, peter what a guy uh so we're gonna we only had two today um the first will be our grizzlies history moment uh tomorrow january 15th um if you haven't followed by the way Grizzly's history yet you should follow it at Grizzstory. Um, it's really interesting. I uh, actually do a lot of research, try to pick the best event for each calendar day and tweet it out. Um, if you have been a Grizzlies fan forever, you'll recognize some of these events. If you're new to Grizzlies fan, this is a way. a great way to get plugged in with the team. Um, but tomorrow I'll give you guys a sneak preview. Um, tomorrow will is going to be a Grizzlies tweet about Christian Leitner. Now, you might be asking yourself, why in the world uh, would Christian Leitner have anything uh, to do significantly in Grizzlies history? Well, some of you might not know, Christian Leitner actually tried to buy the Grizzlies at one point in time. Um, so back in uh, October, uh, I tweeted this out. On this day, this is October 2nd, On this day in 2006, an investment group led by former Duke stars Christian Laettner and Brian Davis reached an agreement with Michael Heisley to purchase his majority share, which was 70% of the Grizzlies, for an estimated $360 million. Hmm. The plan, get this, was for Davis to become the controlling owner and Laettner to run the basketball operations as well as join the roster.
1: Oh, I did not know that. He
0: was 36 years old at the time. Now, um, this was the plan for a while. This group had a bunch of investors, they said, and they were pulling the funds together. They had a certain amount of time to get the money to buy the team. Um, Sneak preview, January 15th in 2007 was the deadline to get this funding. They did not get it in time. Um, So this investment group imploded. Uh, due to having insufficient funds, and the deal fell through, Heisley kept the team. Um, since then, the some members of the investment group, including Scotty Pippen, Sean Merriman, Johnny Dawkins, and others, have sued Leitner and Davis for failure to repay the loans that they got, totaling an estimate a estimated thirty million dollars. Wow. Um, I don't know if That's they're nuts. yes, <laughs> it is nuts. The idea that th- that Heisley was going to sell the team, number one. And number two, Christian Leitner and Brian Davis were potentially going to be owners. And even the fallout is e- even more crazy. Um, so, yes, a very interesting moment in Grizzlies history. So uh, so follow Grizzly on Twitter um, and uh, check out that tweet tomorrow, January 15th, or today, if you're listening to it on January 15th. And to
1: compare that 300, $330 million that you talked about, the Grizzlies, I think, are currently valued per... Like the the kind of recent valuation stuff at 1.3 billion. God.
0: that would have been a pretty good investment. Yeah, I'd that's say. a pretty good six. Not uh, a bad ROI. Yeah, that's
1: pretty good. I think.
0: All right, so now we're gonna get to a, a special segment. Uh, we're at about the halfway point here of the season, and one of the things we wanted to do um, with the few minutes we had left was was look back and each throw out our two favorite moments of the season. Um, we're gonna also throw this up in a poll on Twitter. You can vote on which of these four moments was your moment of the season, or you might have another one uh, that we miss. We'll, we'll we'll go through some honorable mentions. But if we miss something, you're not hearing it. Tweet us back. We'll shoot you a retweet. Uh, we want to hear what your favorite moments of the season was as well. Um, Brantley, you want to start? Yeah, let's do it. Um, my first one. Uh, I
1: I got the chance to go with my wife to the jazz game for Conley's return, um, in November. And for multiple reasons, this game was, you know, just fun. It was very emotional, obviously seeing Conley return. I may or may not um have teared up that my wife posted on her own personal grams. I did see that. And uh I was feeling
0: this you know, feeling when you go
1: and you just see like uh you know, that return and what it, I think it meant to him and all of those sorts of things. That was, it was just really fun being there for it. And there's lots of memories that I think were evoked this thinking through that, that, you know, a lot of you actually probably have experienced too, but then at the same time to sort of see what definitely felt like a handoff, um, mm-hmm. between, uh, unintentionally between Conley and Ja. you know, Ja led our team that game with 25 points, uh, it was a playoff atmosphere. The Jazz, uh, you know, were definitely struggling at that period of time. the The grindhouse was full. It was on ESPN. It was on ESPN. It was nationally televised. It just was an electric environment, and it just hasn't felt that way in at least four years. Yeah. Uh, so just to be there for it, I think that, you know, I was all in on the season regardless. But just to actually, I wasn't. Uh, the emotion that I was planning to experience wasn't the kind of electric playoff good vibes that we have all
0: experienced if you've been to a playoff game in the
1: ground now. So to feel that this year was just awesome.
0: Mm. Man, yeah, that, that was an incredible game. I, I did not get the chance to go, but you could feel it just through uh, the broadcast on TV. They kept showing clips of Conley Um just hugging all the, even the workers on the side, the yeah. security guards, uh, seat attendants. Um, and then just to have Ja uh, come out and, and show out on oh. national TV. That one definitely qualified <laughs> in our <Yes>. big game <laughs> yes. analysis. Was, that was a yes in that field, for <laughs> sure. Man, that was that was a great moment of yeah. this season. Um, my uh, top moment also has to do with Ja Morant. And it is uh, his first... Uh, buzzer beater as a Grizzly. Uh, this was in Charlotte, um, and the the image I have in my head um, was the 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 picture. I don't know who who ha- who shot this this photo, but it's unbelievable. Um, ja with a few seconds left, just drove straight down the lane, no fear. Um, people have pointed out recently, like most of the time in these last second moments with your point guard, um, they'll they'll try to. Get some space with the defender and take a jump shot. He just went straight up the gut, straight at Cody Zeller, who um, knew whoever else was down there on the block, and made this insane, insanely ap- acrobatic uh, layup to beat the Hornets. Um, it was unbelievable, and this picture is just is just crazy with his his hand, his small frame in between these two bigs, and, and the, the way he got that ball um, into the into the basket was. That, w- that was a huge moment of the season.
1: Whether it's uh, just coming back around or it's just not been released, I haven't looked into it. There's a video on going around on NBA Twitter today of John Morant being mic'd up from that game. That's right. And uh, the video, uh, the, the, the breakdown of it basically shows him coaching and being a general on the floor, telling J V to do some things, telling Goodrich to do some things, asking Dylan Brooks where he wants his next shot. And like hear you hear him say that and then they show the next play where he does it. Mm. And dude, it will give you chills. I mean, it's like this guy's twenty years old and he's acting like an executive floor general coaching vets around the floor and getting people shots and then winning the game. So we'll repost that so that you can see it. But just hearing him in that context is unbelievable.
0: Yeah, that was a great behind-the-scenes look today. That's super cool. All right, Brantley, what's Um, your number two?
1: My number two, uh, mainly because I think you guys know that I love the intangibles of Jay Crowder, and that's our third game of the season, which, goodness gracious, I can't believe that that's the case, and it was our first victory of the season. It was the Brooklyn Nets game. Mm. So there's obviously – Will was reminding me, and I had forgotten this, that his block against Kyrie in that game yeah, – And Jaws block. Jaws block, yeah, sorry, uh, against Kyrie uh, at the end of the fourth quarter is what sent us into overtime. Another so, great photo. So amazing photo, kind of coming out party for him. And then the way that he dribbled down the court and shielded off the defender and passed back to Jay Crowder at the top of the key to knock that three. I was actually in Austin visiting my brother – And, you know, when you're actually trying to spend time with family – you're not really watching the Grizzlies, even though every like little moment of my heart is like wishing that we were. We were at this Mexican restaurant, Matt's El Ranchero, which if you haven't been to Austin, a little small plug, it's incredible. Shout out. Closed on uh, Tuesdays, by yeah, the way. Yeah, <laughs> closed on Tuesdays. <laughs> and this may or may not have been the second time in a four-day period that my wife and I went to go eat with my <laughs> brother and his uh, now fiancé. Um, that we're, we, we went to eat there, and we were sitting in this booth. And I'm like, man, we're in overtime. I didn't even see the block live, so I just, mm-hmm. I'm like, I, right, I'm sorry. We've got to put the phone on the table. We're, you know, eating lots of cheese dip and all those sorts of things. And I'm not even kidding. When Jay hit that shot, I yelled at the top of my lungs. And this is a big restaurant, and everybody like looked at me for a split second. And me and Andrew were like, let's go, you know, like just like screaming. So like that was just, I mean, hey, our first win because. Uh. Yeah. you know at that point in the time of the season we weren't really sure what was going to be on this team like what we were going to really do how much joy we were going to have out of it other than just kind of seeing maybe the growth potential of some of our young players so like to get that type of victory that way against the nets and and, and Kyrie was just awesome
0: that was so exciting I was yeah I was at home watching and yelled so loud <laughs> at the same time you I'm didn't sure. go to sleep soon after that no. <laughs> no no I needed I need a beer or something after yeah at least a couple <laughs> Uh okay so my second and final uh favorite moment gosh there have been so many but if I had to narrow it down to one more um, as we know Ja Morant in every once probably every three games throughout this season has just tried to murder someone with a dunk R- really <laughs> This, this, however, and for whatever reason, the dunk he has been like a few inches away from the basket. The ball has hit the rim. Uh, Miles Bridges comes to mind. Kevin Love comes to mind. Um, Just uh, the 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 missed dunk is almost as good of a highlight as the as the real dunk would be. This play, however, he converted it. And it was against Aaron Baines. Mm -hmm. Um, And this dunk is still being played on repeat in a lot of different highlights you'll see floating around social media. Um, This was the first just true uh, obliteration by a dunk. uh, of Ja Morant, Uh, it was – the Grizzlies were up 109 to 105. There were 43 seconds left. The Grizzlies had the ball. And Ja, again, with no fear, just goes straight at Baines – Cocks it back, slams it down with the right hand, moving right to left. Not a not an easy dunk by any stretch of the imagination, and basically seals uh, the win. And man, that's I just think it's really telling how our top four moments all involved John Morant.
1: Yeah, they they come back to mind. The, the, there's a lot of ones that we could easily debate, like Jaron's big three game or oh all yeah, those sorts of things yeah. that were just like, oh, my gosh, look look at what we've got. In these yeah, Jaron
0: against the Bucks, his unconscious third quarter. That was un- an honorable mention for me. Uh, the, cl- the Clippers demolition that oh went down ugh. last uh, week. Um,
1: but I mean, the fact that we have all of these moments we're just rattling off is why it's right now just fun to celebrate where we are in the season. It may not last. Right. We've got a young team. We realize that. However, it's okay as fans to take joy in the team that you have right now and have fun with it, and that's that's where I'm at. I'm all in on having fun with these guys, and I can't wait to go watch them live.
0: MLK Day, baby. Oh, yeah. We'll be there. We'll be in the house. We'll 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 come back with a full review from MLK Day, MLK Game Day. We are considering this. I would say big game for John Morant. So we'll, we'll also have that analysis for you. Um, yeah, as we mentioned with with Peter a few minutes ago, uh, this is just a no loss scenario for the Grizzlies. Yep. Uh, if we if we go on a downswing, that's okay. If we go on an up upswing and, and keep our playoff uh, hopes alive. That's great, too. I think there's a lot to be learned either way. So it's just this is season. It really is just a celebration. And I feel like that's going to be a theme just throughout this whole year, which is great. Um, So uh, moving forward, we are. uh, Ooh, I just checked the rocket score. We're up 67 to 61 at halftime. Let's go. We'll have to see how that third quarter goes. (laughs) Baby, let's go. And uh Friday we have the Cavs at uh at home. We have not a big game for, for not John. a big game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it'd be nice to get the win there. Uh we have MLK, uh Pelicans coming to uh the grindhouse. Zion could be making an appearance there. I've heard some rumors he's gonna be um he's gonna be playing, but we'll see. Hope so. That'd and be awesome. And then after that we we that's our last game of the homestand, and then we'll be at the Celtics. Uh, next Wednesday. So hopefully we'll be talking to you right around that game. Um, thanks for joining us. If this is your first time, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Um, we welcome all at the Grizz Den. Um, so with that, Brantley, you have any any final thoughts to get us out of here? No, nah, man. Peter, thank you so much. Y'all subscribe, listen, tell
1: your Grizz friends, tell your friends that you want to be Grizz fans. <laughs> Shoot a rating.
0: Reply to our uh, our big moments on Twitter. Share some of your own. Um, we'd love to hear for you. Hear from you. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> we'd love to hear from you. Uh, this has been another edition of the Grizz Den Pod. We'll talk to y'all soon. <laughs> Bonus content. I've got Brantley on the phone. Emergency pod. Emergency. Emergency segment, uh, the Grizzlies just took down the Houston Rockets, 121 to 110 at home. Uh, we said uh, just a few minutes ago that we would wait to talk about this game uh, until the next podcast. And uh, the game was so good that we we can't do that. And so uh, we're that. just going to give a little sneak preview of... Uh, of what's gonna be coming in the in the the future podcast, but we can't help but react right now uh, Brantley, what were your immediate thoughts from the game?
3: well, we just spent basically an entire podcast talking about Ja uh, it I mean he he had twenty six points and eight assists it was he was carrying us this whole game but dude let's let's not let's not forget about triple j man like oh. the dudes the dudes highlight blocks in that fourth quarter I mean, just uh, you know, he, the, sent, the, the Harden's, he yeah. sent Harden's sniper. Yeah, he sent Harden's
0: floater to half court.
3: God. like he could have caught it. I think I, he 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 basically could have like palmed it. He was so high up there with it. I just I don't know, man. These guys to have to be twenty years old and to like just bring that level of swagger. I think might've been our, our, you know, friend of the podcast, Peter, who was talking about either him or Chris Harrington, I can't remember. Were, we're basically saying like for this young core, it was Peter, for this young core to be doing this, carrying us this way is really unprecedented. And it, it sort of feels that way. It sort of feels like the national, even national media, Kendrick Perkins has given a shout outs, you know, hopeful future friend of the pod, Kevin O'Connor is giving shout outs, you know, it just, it it this is the hype stuff, right? This is why we were talking about just like having joy and celebrating in it. It's just super fun.
0: Yeah, everybody's freaking out. I mean, granted, Russell Westbrook wasn't playing, uh, which has to be factored in, but at the same time, James Harden scored forty points. Uh, he's carried this team before. They're still a great team with him at the lead. So I don't I don't necessarily consider Russell Westbrook um, just a ve- a giant asterisk uh, on this game. Uh, so I still, I mean, this win is still big, obviously there, the Rockets are a top four seed in the West, um, and Morant and Jackson just held their own. And, uh, and here we saw some good Dylan, 24 points, four rebounds, three assists. Um, this is where your irrational confidence guy, uh, really helps you in these situations.
3: Yeah, the, and the, I guess the last two minutes of the game has sort of like stepped back, on Eric Gordon. It's kind of like the yes, yes or you know, no, no, yes, yes. scenario. Um because he really didn't he, he had kind of like this quiet uh you know twenty four points because there were so many plays, you know, in the second half where when we were really getting to watch, right, where I was just like, ooh, this is that's just ugly. Um and, I mean, you really have to sort of give him some credit as much as he's such a polarizing figure, as Peter mentioned earlier in our interview. He, he just scores for us. And we just, I mean, in, in a game like against the Rockets, we were having to play kind of like that guard scenario. Uh, I mean, he's obviously playing a lot of minutes in every game. But, like, when you need that shooter that way, I mean, he gives you that. And I mean, Grizzlies have never really had a player like it.
0: And he was uh he was guarding Harden a ton in this game, and and even though Harden had forty, you could tell Dylan was frustrating him. Uh, he uh he was just playing just some gritty basketball, and then Brandon Clark and De'Anthony Melton just are solid guys off the bench. Brandon Clark with fourteen points, seven rebounds, two assists, and then De'Anthony Melton twelve points, six rebounds, four assists. Just to do something, as Brevin Knight uh, likes to say, you know, yep. like. Just old, play. reliable at this point. Just those two guys, you know they're going to come out and play. Uh, they The moment is not too big for them. Um, man, what an exciting win.
3: Yeah, and, I mean, you look at it now, and it's not crazy to think that you go and beat Cleveland and set up this pretty compelling storyline for Martin Luther King National Day, you know, the national – game with the Pelicans coming in, you know, as sort of the other young up and coming team, right. right, That the national media was all about and rightfully so um, to start the year with kind of the whole Ingram ball um, Zion potential. You, you, you might get to really see that displayed and you're coming in with this super, I guess a super high Grizzlies team, the NBA has got to be ecstatic about that that potential story.
0: Yep. Don't want to assume anything. You know you you gotta you gotta come out and play every game. But if we if we take care of business against Cleveland, we'll be coming off a seven game win streak into that Pelicans game. Uh, what a cool what a cool story that would be.
3: Dude, the grindhouse man. Like it's just it's just fun to see even on TV. Like you can just see, like or you can hear some of the chants. You can see uh, the excitement coming back. You know, the city has just quickly jumped in. And, you know, I, you know, we take a lot of pride in that aspect, I think, of being from Memphis and, and rooting for the team and just sort of, you know, kind of the loyalty component and just being good fans. And it just feels like the team is feeding off of it at home, too. And, and it, you know, not to say that we're just helping them, but I just think that that's a little component that it's just really cool to see, too.
0: The hype is fun. Delivering on the hype is even more fun. Mm. Brantley, yep. thanks for jumping on the phone uh again tonight. Uh we couldn't not after a win like that. But uh everybody will we will uh be back next week. Um we'll see. We'll, note to self, don't don't record during any more Grizzlies games because uh <laughs> you might miss something. And we almost did, but we we got there just in time to see the best parts of this game. So Brantley, thanks again, everybody signing off for a second time. Y'all have a great week and, uh, we'll talk to you next week.